Hello and welcome to Hacked Off. Oh my gosh, you have no idea how loud a room is until there is a live microphone in that room. I miss the recording studio so much. I've had a van idling outside and I've just had somebody race past blaring music. But hopefully I will record clean podcasts without too much background noise. And today I want to talk about building security systems. I want to talk about building security systems for a couple of reasons. So um, in a previous episode, we looked at cybersecurity maturity assessments, and we talked about um, how to assess the maturity of an organization when you're looking for things like what has been missed, what's not as well developed as other aspects of the organization. And for the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been working with a different organization. This organization is a startup. So their whole perspective on security is, is different to so what is common for, for most of the customers who've been around for a while and, and uh, have ongoing security projects. For this company, everything was new. And we're not looking at you know, what have you missed from a maturity point of view. It's more about where do you start? Where do you begin? How do you make sure you don't miss something as you're building it? And how do you make sure that the order that you're building things is logical? So working with a startup got me thinking about this kind of building new things, be it a new project, a new system, or an entirely new company. And also uh, a separate piece of content that I released uh, a couple of weeks ago now, I was talking about uh, vulnerability scanning versus penetration testing. And in the comment section to that content, um, somebody mentioned something which I think is completely fair, but it, it wasn't really what I was going at. And, and I figured I would kind of answer that, that um, idea here in, in this podcast. So when talking about vulnerability scanning versus penetration testing, looking at the differences, looking at why an organization should consider both, um, somebody added a comment that says, shouldn't a mature internal vulnerability management program also include threat hunting? And whilst I agree with that statement, um, it, it does it does start to highlight this like, well, where do you start problem? And uh, how do you make sure that your approach is logical? So. Um, very frequently when you talk to security professionals and you talk to penetration testers, those kinds of things, they'll, they'll highlight this idea of you should start security testing sooner. So this would be um, the general idea that you don't want to be getting a penetration test the week after a new system goes live for hopefully reasons that are obvious, but just in case. Uh, for if anything is found, that risk is already exposed to the public. It's already probably internet connected or exposed to its user base in some way. And if there's any major issues, any kind of issues in the design of the system, it can be a lot more work to to remediate those at such a late stage of development. So it's it's better to test a system before it goes live. So we're kind of pushing left here. We're kind of saying you know, um, should start sooner. But you can, you can always say that, right? You can always say, oh, you should start with security sooner. And where people say things like, well, you should start with security at the very beginning. Uh, what do you mean by that? Uh, should, you, should you have a pen test before you've written any code? No, that doesn't make sense. So, so what, are we, what are we saying when you should start security sooner? I'm trying to, trying to work through this problem, trying to work through, certainly with this startup that I've been working with, you know, um, where do you begin? I've come up with, with uh, a few ideas and a, and a couple of things to get you thinking if you are um, a new company or even if you're just starting a new project, um, where to begin. So I usually uh, break down security kind of in my in my head into um, to three phases. 
And um, how many pieces you break it down to isn't really important. If you look at NIST with their cybersecurity framework, they have like five aspects to security. I'm sure a lot of people are already familiar with that. If you look at the NCSC's cyber assessment framework, they have four um, kind of uh, objectives to security. I'm just going to keep things simple in this podcast, try and, try and give you some pointers on, on, on where to start. Just, just look at three aspects to security. So this is design, implementation, and protection. What I mean by design is how you plan to build the thing. What I mean by implementation is the generally the technical enforcement of the design. So in design, if you say something like, oh, um, you know, we have a security policy that says you must have a minimum eight character password, then on the actual implementation, it should restrict passwords to eight characters. So there should be a policy and there should be actually a technical enforcement of that policy. And then under protection, I, uh, I would cover things like um, alert generation, incident detection, incident response, um, disaster recovery, all of those kinds of things. And if you, if you break security kind of down into these slices, you can start looking at uh, the logical ordering to security in a couple of different ways. But really what I'm talking about here is, you know, where do you begin? If you're going to build something new, um, what should you do? What, what should you start with? Well, of course, we, we design systems and um, you should design security in from the very beginning. You know, it's not it's not this idea that you get a pen test before you've written any code, but you should should look for the software specification to consider security within it. So one of the earliest things that, that you should be looking at is a security policy. So that as the system is built, there is certain rules around um, certain aspects of its security. Should we be looking at things like how frequently will the system be updated? How will patches be applied? And how will authentication authorization be applied? Those kinds of things. So one of the earliest things I think should be considered should be security policy. It certainly can make it easier from an assessment point of view if you were to bring in a consultant to say, you know, are we building this correctly? If you can present documentation that shows how you intend to build it. So if you're looking at something like, um, you know, building in a cloud environment, building on AWS or building on Azure or something like that, then there are hardening guides available. There are things like the CIS benchmarks that can um, give you an indicator of kind of um, standard best practice. But from the beginning, there should be some kind of policy, some kind of um, rule set around how things should be done in theory. And then building up from that, I think one of the, the early things, but not the first thing to consider would be security training, like uh, awareness training, right? And the reason that I, um, I put this after policy I think is important because awareness training should include what the policy is and why the policy is that way. It it wouldn't be, in my opinion, good enough to tell um, staff members generic guidance like um, passwords should be secure. You need to explain what insecure passwords are. And I think it's really important within security awareness training to explain why those decisions have been made as well. Um, I have sat through countless security awareness training courses because most businesses have at least uh, like an annual requirement for staff to, to go through security awareness. Even security staff have to go through it as well. It's one of those everyone must do it kind of ideas. And I'm sure people listening to this themselves will have been through a lot of security awareness training. And very often the awareness training that, that I personally have been through, it tells you what you must do, but not why you must do it. 
And I think this is uh, a flawed approach in a couple of different ways. Uh, I talked about this previously in the episode about um, your security awareness training isn't working. And in in that episode, one of the things that I was talking about was um, talking to staff members about why you have security rules in place from like a testing point of view, from like the kind of hacker's point of view. Um, You know, you shouldn't click links in emails because... Uh, this is what happens if you do, and then looking at phishing attacks and those kinds of things. I think there's an additional consideration, though, which I haven't maybe talked about um, on this podcast before, and that is talking about awareness training from the point of view of this is what our policy is and this is why the policy is there, um, specifically so that you might have um, a restriction that's technically enforced that if a staff member doesn't know why that restriction is in place, if they don't understand the importance of that restriction... They might try and get around it because their priority, their kind of mental state might be to work as best as they can, to be as efficient as they can and get as much done as they can. And for anyone who's worked in security for any length of time, no doubt you've come across this idea of the balance between security and convenience. And sometimes security can get in the way of convenience. I guess the easiest example of that is is just passwords, right? Passwords suck. I've talked endlessly about why passwords suck. And I, and I generally try and give guidance around, you know, things like password managers, things like multi-factor authentication, those kinds of things. And generally, whilst those limit some of the inherent risks of passwords, they don't always make it more convenient or as convenient as it could be. It would be a lot easier for me to use my um, computer, to use my laptop, if it didn't have a password set, if I could just sit down and it, and it logged me in. But of course, you can understand that that's um, I- incredibly insecure. Anyone who, who works in security would, would, would laugh at that idea. And there's ways around it, you know, looking at mobile devices, using Face ID and those kinds of things. But let's not go on a massive detour down the, the rabbit hole of authentication systems and inconvenience in general. Just, just holding that in mind that, you know what, security gets in the way and the security department should be the first people to acknowledge that. So explaining to staff why those things are important is is critical. So policies, training. And then from that, you should have a, a basis for what the system or what, what the um, organization's security baseline should be. And then building up from that, I said like um, the next step is is implementation, right? So actually building the things. And and for implementation, what, what I would have in my head for that is the technically enforcing the restrictions. And this is one of the things that I see, um, it, it frustrates me frequently. Um, the first thing that I see that frustrates me is where a company's policies do not in any way match up with the actual system implementation. So a really, really good example of this would be... Uh, passwords that are based on dictionary words. It's really common for security policy to say something like passwords must be a minimum of eight characters. They must have complexity enforced, you know, the uppercase, lowercase number symbols, those kinds of things. And they cannot be based on a dictionary word or a a common word, you know, something contextually relevant to the company, like a company name or something like that. And that, that as a basis for password policy is not a bad idea, you know, I mean, password one is an awful password, just as company name 123 is an awful password. But it's quite rare to see companies actually technically enforce all of those restrictions. They're generally in policy, but not technically enforced. Um, Certainly uh, blocking dictionary-based passwords or blocking 
um, contextually relevant passwords, so company names and those kinds of things. I think possibly the reason for this is there isn't like a group policy option that you can just tick a box and it enforces it across an organization. It's not that easy. Maybe for web applications, it's easier than um, in internal infrastructure, those kinds of things. But there isn't a box to tick. Companies don't technically enforce that policy. And I, I think that's bad. I think that I think that's missing something. So when it when we're looking at implementation, I think it should be technically enforcing the policies. So starting with policies, building up to implementation. And during implementation security, that is, of course, one of the points in which you should be getting um, a pen tester to come in, getting some kind of, of security test. And looking at security testing kind of as a category, I like to think of it as uh, a spectrum where you build up from the basic stuff. So the basic stuff would be vulnerability scanning internally. The The main reason for this, the kind of point that I like getting across in, in this uh, aspect is as a pen tester, I don't want to go into an organization and spend loads of time looking through missing patches, looking through weak passwords, looking through common and default misconfigurations. And I certainly don't want to write a 300-page report that says, hey, you haven't patched any of your systems in years. So it's a great idea for companies to get um, you know, that kind of stuff, the um, foundation done themselves. And vulnerability scanning, internal vulnerability scanning can, can help with that. But this is the point in which, um, in the content that I mentioned earlier, somebody said, um, you, you, haven't, you haven't mentioned threat hunting here. So this is what I'm building up to here. I think there's a, it's like a spectrum here. We start at the basics, start at the, the fundamentals and try and build up from there. Vulnerability scanning, looking for missing patches, default misconfigurations, weak passwords, those kinds of things. So that should be built into policy, how frequently you test, what kinds of tests you perform and um, what the expected um, outcome of that should be. Um, by, by which I mean something like, you know, if you're saying all patches should be installed within 14 days, then those basic internal security tests should show that there are no patches missing that are older than 14 days, right? It's basic stuff, but that's what I'm saying is the, is the foundation here. Building up from that would be into penetration testing and looking at uh, either as the same item or as a separate item, getting kind of third-party validation, getting an, an independent uh, tester to come in and take a look at this. Um, third party here, you know, um, it, it could be an external security provider or, or it could just be someone that has independence from, from the building team, this idea that you can't mark your own homework. So, so getting somebody to come in and, and review the system for the same reason that, you know, proofreading written documents is, is hard, assessing the things that you've built is hard as well. So getting somebody who's independent to come in and, and review things should be the next thing. And that's that's around penetration testing. So actively looking to um, discover and exploit vulnerabilities to show the real world impact of those risks. Building up from that into red teaming. Now, where your organization draws the line on things like vulnerability scanning, as in how frequently are they? Penetration testing, red teaming, how frequently are those things? Is... Um, it's a, a thing that really frustrates me. It really frustrates me because organizations very often have uh, security testing tied to what I feel are just like arbitrary timeframes. So the most common thing that we see is penetration testing conducted annually. And that frustrates me because why should your testing cycle be tied to how many revolutions around the sun you've done? I think that's that's ridiculous. There should be, of course, an amount of time set but the, the reason behind that should be logical and it should be documented as to why that um, 
that time frame was decided upon. I'm not going to go into in this episode how to determine how frequently testing should take place, but I just want to point that out as uh, that the time frame is an important part of, of building the system so that you know when the next test is due. Very frequently, as like a policy point, people get out of this difficult problem of how frequently should we test just by saying, oh, we'll test uh, annually or on any major system change. And I find this equally frustrating because you would have to define what a major system change is. Your policy, this design document that you're putting together should document what it is that you consider a major system change or the frequency might not be appropriate. Now, some things are really obvious, uh, major operating system upgrades, swapping the um, vendor of the firewall, you know, implementing a new firewall, something like that. Those are common points in which an organization would want a security test because they've made a, a major change to how the system works. But the problem with this is it misses out these uh, more agile ways of building, maintaining systems. So um, really what I'm trying to point out here is um, what if you don't have a single change that you could say is major? What if you have lots of minor changes? How many minor changes do you have to have before it becomes a major change? And these decisions should be made right at the beginning, right when you're you're building systems and you're putting them together. You should be considering these kinds of... um, security program decisions how frequently should we test what kinds of tests should take place why we why have we decided on that frequency and then also trying to catch the edge cases around things like um how many small changes equals a big change those kinds of things so vulnerability scanning pen testing red teaming there's a whole episode we've done on red teaming i'll not get into that now but uh you know that that spectrum of security testing so we have design implementation and then the third aspect that i said i would consider when it looks to just like building a system and making sure that nothing is missed would be the actual um, protection response side of things. So for me, this is where I put things like threat hunting, which is why um, initially when somebody points out, oh, you talked about vulnerability scanning, but you didn't talk about threat hunting, it kind of catches me off. And it makes sense because we're looking at internal security um, policies or we're looking at Uh, Certainly, vulnerability management programs and threat hunting should be a part of that. But um, for me, it's this this second entity. Once the system is built, we'll look at how do we make sure that the system is secure, ongoing. So this will be starting at the very basics, log management up to incident response up to threat hunting. So as you can see, I kind of think of each of these categories between design implementation and protection as having its own path of maturity. But just to look at protection, to kind of round off this uh, this uh, story of of building security from from nothing. Um, what, what we're looking at here, starting at log management. Now you can't do um, alert generation, behavioral analysis, those kinds of things unless you've got the the data to base those things on. So one of the most fundamental parts is capturing logs and aggregating them. We could do a whole episode on log management and the security of logging systems to make sure that an attacker doesn't just come in and destroy your logs and then you've got no evidence of anything. Um, but just just covering the kind of the, the path of this, this kind of idea of building security. The first thing is making sure that you're capturing logs from all appropriate places, that those logs can be um, 
aggregated into a central location, not only so that it's easier to um, to take a look at them and easier to kind of like do log review, that kind of thing, but so that the uh, data can be aggregated. So if you have uh, behavior on an endpoint, can you tie that behavior to malicious network traffic and, and kind of um, aggregating that data across disparate types of log source? Once you've done that, it would be alert generation. So trying to take an event and determine whether it's a security incident or not, you know, a login takes place. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Somebody logged in. Of course, it depends who it was, where they logged in from, what point, of, what time of day it was, all of those kinds of things. Just an event in a log, it can be difficult to work out whether it's a security incident. And then getting two security incidents, trying to work out whether they're related and whether they're part of a, a bigger thing is difficult. But log management, as in acquiring logs, aggregating logs, and then alert generation from that. And then building up from alert generation, we're looking at... Um, behavioral analysis stuff and I'd like to do an episode in the future actually talking about um, behavioral analysis and this kind of um, red team versus blue team idea of very frequently when we're doing penetration testing which is like a core service for us here we're we're not trying to um, hide you know this is one of the major differences between pen testing and red teaming when we're not trying to hide we're just trying to find as many vulnerabilities as we can and as cost efficient way as we can um, the the methods that we use would be different. And when you start looking at you know proper red teaming, adversarial simulation, where there is an active defensive team trying to determine if an attack is taking place, where, where the attackers are, doing the, the true blue team side of things, the techniques we use will be different. We'll start looking at things like um, lol binaries, living off the land, trying to um, use as few tools as possible as you kind of like hacking tools as possible and start using and um, built-in features to the system to make it harder to detect well when you get up to that point of alert generation behavioral analysis the kind of more mature side of response those are the things that you got to consider you got to you got to look at you know something more than just traditional antivirus something more than just um restrictions on on what uh, users can do you know, and not, not installing new, t- new tools and things like that, but, but considering things like lol binaries. And then building up from that, I would say that the kind of end goal for response would be threat hunting. So th- this would, ha- would be having an actual team who are specifically looking for, you know, active attackers on the network. We'll definitely have to do an entire episode dedicated to threat hunting because it's uh, just a fantastic aspect of security and, and almost in one way of thinking like the opposite of pen testing, the opposite of what we usually talk about as a, as a core aspect of this podcast. But yeah, there we go. I tried to get it into 20 minutes. I tried to um, to cover system design as quickly as I could, but I just wanted to, to put a new perspective on the things that we talk about on this, this podcast. And um, very often we're looking at specific aspects of security you know we do an episode on red teaming do an episode on physical uh, access attacks those kinds of things do an episode on social engineering and i really wanted to just do an episode where we try and broadly put these pieces together and like how do you build something and like i said one way of thinking about it break it down into into pieces looking at something like design implementation security response and then you start having things like policy can build into awareness training Vulnerability management can build into pen testing, which can build into red teaming. 
And then the response side of things, you have log management can build into alert generation, which can build into threat hunting, and you kind of have the um, individual uh, pillars of maturity. And no doubt trying to cram the entirety of cybersecurity and, and building a security plan into a 20 minute podcast. I'm gonna have missed something, but I'll try and I'll try and cover as much as I can in the follow-up episodes of this. But I am curious, where do you start? Because of course it's not just as easier as saying you should pen test earlier. You know, what does that actually mean? Let me know um, over social media your thoughts about this. And in the next episodes, things coming up, we're going to be looking at things like threat hunting, breaking that down, living on the land binaries, those kinds of things. We've also got a few interviews lined up. Thanks for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you.